hey, y'all, it's your girl Jada Vassar. And Anthony Brinson. And this is All Shades of Chocolate, where we're bringing the sweetest, the hottest black, black culture, culture to MSU. MSU. So if you notice, the intro is a bit different. Our third host, Shakira, is not going to be with us with this episode, but hopefully she'll be back next week. We miss you, Shakira. Listen, can't do it without you, but we go try our best. And it's going to be definitely more of a more serious episode. If you guys weren't familiar, about a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, we had the death of Tyree Nichols. And before we even start talking about it, we're going to have a moment of silence. just so unfortunate that we even have to make this a topic but just as an all-black podcast at Michigan State University and all shades of chocolate something that definitely is important to discuss and just it's one thing when it's a normal police brutality even though normal and police brutality shouldn't be hand in hand but it's one thing when it's normal police brutality but to see a group of all-black men to kill another black man, being a black man speaking on this topic. It stuns me so much that I still, at this moment, couldn't even... I haven't seen, like, the video footage or whatever footage they released about it just because it's already triggering enough to see another black man be killed by police. I feel like that's redundant at this point. But a black man killed by more black men is just... What are we doing? It's like when you hear stereotypes of other races say, like, oh, black people are this, black people are that, and then something like this happened. We look at ourselves like, what are what are they doing? How is this a representation of us? How can we look and defend our race on one end, but then we see something like this? And I don't know. It's just very frustrating. But I know you have some questions, or at least one question for me specifically about this, Jada, because as being also, I found out the other day, the only black man in the state news. So just... I'll let you have it. Yeah, and I know you guys, when you hear our intro, we're all, you know, bubbly and lighthearted because we do want to bring you guys the black culture that is definitely alive and thriving at Michigan State. But unfortunately, we all know being black comes with a cost, and sometimes that cost is your life. So we definitely want to make sure you guys are aware, even if nine times out of ten that news is sad because, again, it gets repetitive, and it's like, is this all that we're destined to be, but we feel like it's very important to talk about these topics because if we don't, who will, you know? So, yeah, I definitely had just a big starter question for you, Anthony. Being the only black male on this podcast, let alone in the state news office alone, I just wanted to ask you, how does it feel hearing the same thing over and over again? Like, does it give you any more, I guess, reactions, or are you kind of growing numb to the subject as a whole? Well, to answer your question, it's really numbing, like you mentioned, and like I said earlier about it just being redundant, because seeing these things over and over and over and over again for a good portion of our lives, because we're we're only 19, so going back to whenever Trayvon Martin passed, whenever Breonna Taylor, whenever all these things happen, we've been really young seeing this in the media, and it's one thing to see these things and they're on display and we have to wait for um, people to get prosecuted who commit these things. But to see the black cops instantly get a punishment, it's a bit bittersweet because now we're the ones that have to be the example of the standard of how fast these things should be getting done. The cop who um, murdered George Floyd, it took ages to get him prosecuted and with all of a sudden when it's black cops, it gets done instantly or almost instantly. 
to see that and to realize that and to see that we're the example, it's, it's such a bad cycle all around. And it just makes me wonder, like, when I have kids, even before that, my own experiences with police, this is the reason why I'm scared of police every time I walk by a police car or every time you just hear a police siren or in the instance where I've been with people who've been pulled over and there's, there's a situation I was with my sister and we got pulled over and we instantly put our hands on dashboard, wouldn't touch anything, and the cop was saying, like, oh, y'all y'all guys have to be so tense and everything, and just we didn't move our hands because we don't feel comfortable in these situations where we're black people. And it's just, it's very frustrating to see that this is the world we live in. And just having that experience of being pulled over and having that, um, that fear that our lives can be taken away in those moments, it's just... It's one of the worst ways to have an impact. And when you think of things that are impactful or memorable, you would want to put good connotation around it. But those are some of the moments where it was I genuinely, genuinely feared for my life because being a black man in America, being a black person in America, just makes it even more dangerous when things don't have to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely agree with a lot of things you said. I feel like this is... Um, especially just the subject of getting pulled over by the police in general, I feel like it's just something you wouldn't understand unless you're black. Whether you say, hey, I side with black people, you know, police shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z, you just wouldn't understand the the type of feeling you get when you get pulled over. And you think, even if you're getting pulled over because you ran a red light on accident or, oh, you have, a, like, a headlight or taillight missing, or even if you're, like, your license are suspended, nothing major you just wouldn't understand the feeling that something so small could take my life away. Like, you think it would be issues like this if the person murdered somebody, if the person's on the run, if they have warrants for their arrest. But you're seeing the trend we see here. These people don't do nothing wrong. People are literally sleeping in their own homes, yet they're dying. So, you know, it's giving us the fact that we have nowhere to go. We have to be on go by any means necessary at any time, which sucks because if you can't even be peaceful and restful in your own home, where else are you going to do it? You know, we're not that accepted. And people try to say that we are, but if you really get down to the nitty gritty, how accepted are we? Obviously, we see we're not that accepted by the police because the police are the ones that you call when you are hurt. But if they're the ones hurting us, who do we have to call for help now? You know, and especially being um, a black student, a black woman, at a PWI, when I start fully driving and, you know, getting my own car, it's, it's kind of the main thing that scares me from driving because I know any small thing that I may forget that you think a police officer would be like, oh, it's okay, you know, it happens, you, it happens more than you know, could take my life away. And, you know, it's this, this um, police brutality is not limited to just black men. Black women have died at the hands of police too. So it's an overall issue. And now with this specific situation with uh, Tyree Nichols, that he was killed at the hands of black police officers, now we're seeing that it's not, we can take out the situation that is white police officers. That's still an issue. But now we need to check what's going on in the police academy because this is not a class y'all take learning how to be a police officer. I'm sure it's not. This is, we have to under, have to ask the question of why 
your brain automatically goes to hurt this person or why your brain automatically goes to kill this person. Because it's a, it's a switch that has to click in order for you to take that initiative. It's not something people think of off bat, especially if they're already handcuffed. I've seen a little bit of the video, but honestly, I couldn't get through it, like, the entire thing. But from what I've seen and, like, websites and newscasts that I've seen trying to get more information, by the time they were beating him, he was handcuffed. So there was nothing he could do afterwards. So it's like, what in your brain says, let's continue to torture him even more because he's already handcuffed on the ground and he's not fighting back. It's kind of sad because looking at him, it looks like he accepted his fate that he was going to die, which isn't something, it's, it's just not natural. Like, that shouldn't be a thought that crosses your head, like, oh, this is how I die. And it's almost, it's like really sad because it's like he came to peace with it because he just stopped trying. You know, the last few words he said before he died was, mom, help me. And like, Hearing that is where I kind of cut the video off because it's like that's it, it's it's unimaginable. And I really even right now, I have no words. I'm going kind of blank with figuring out what to say because it's like, what can you say? You know, it's like I said earlier, it was important that this episode is had because who else is going to have this episode? Who else is going to talk about it? Nobody else really discussed it. And it's good that we have this platform to talk about it. But what more can I say? Like, hearing, I didn't know all that, and that's the same thing, if I'm not mistaken, George Floyd said the same thing when uh, Chauvin had his knee on his neck. Just feeling hopeless in that moment to where you can't even protect your own life, and I I don't know. I don't have for, no more to say. For things like this, I definitely feel like this is where michigan state as a whole should take the initiative to so you know about caps right like the counseling service that we have on campus no i'm not familiar okay so i don't know i don't remember what the acronym stands for but it's like a a counseling service that's on campus for students who's going through grief when stuff like this happens in the media and they need somebody to talk to they have like a 24 7 hotline i hear it's a really great resource i personally have not used it for the simple fact of what i'm about to say it's not very diverse and I feel like as a black student, if I wanted to come to somebody to talk about how I process hearing these things in the media, I would want to tell it to someone who's black. Because I know at the end of the day, they're feeling it with me and they could provide me resources to help me on a deeper level just because we both share the same emotions. We share the same fear, whether they're my age or whether they're well into their adulthood, they could sympathize a little bit better with me. And I think it's really important to have that diversity in a resource like CAPS because there's a way, there's such a huge demographic of students here on campus that they need to be represented with someone who looks like them, someone who coordinates with them. And I know I definitely talked about this on the dinner table when I published my black mental health story. So y'all, if y'all haven't read that, hit me up. Hit me up with them clicks. But we definitely as a university needs to take the initiative to broaden our diversity. And that doesn't mean put in one black person, one Asian person. No, I mean, gather the staff, gather the team, make a whole different DEI for caps, like really gather together and make this a thing. Cause it's something that should be put in all universities, HBCUs, PWIs, everywhere, everywhere should have it. Cause everywhere has, everywhere doesn't have the same race of kids and all the same kids, all group of kids doesn't need the same thing. It gets tiring and it feels like no one's listening to you, which is something that I feel like is happening to black students on this campus. We're feeling like we're not being listened to and it's something that needs to change. And 
when you walk around, when you go around campus and you barely have classes with any other black individuals, when you try to reach out to sources and there's not many black sources to have, when you go to your job and you realize you're some of the only black people there, when you look around news offices and they have desks that are meant for culture and there's no culture being represented from people who work on the desk, it, it all becomes very, very frustrating. And it's hard. Like, I have questions to ask, but what more can you talk about that in, until we're heard? You can hear that, oh, yeah, we stand with you. Oh, yeah, we support you. And you can be welcome with open arms. But when you look around and nobody looks like you, and then we can't get in debt. We're not supposed or people refuse to go in depth on certain stories about our um, culture and the certain things that happen. It's like it, it just becomes tiring. So... I have questions, and I'm still going to ask them, but at the end of the day, it just it makes it feel like it's all for nothing. Like, I was telling you that when I was at the Breslin Center the other day that they played the Black National Anthem, and part of me is like, okay, that's really good, but the fact that we don't get this type of recognition when it's not February, so how, how much representation, how much genuine representation are we getting? It just feels like it's being, it's all performative, and I don't know. <laughs> um, one of the first questions I had was how do we handle these conversations with our kids when we have kids of our own do you think this cycle will ever change because I've heard a quote from somebody in my family they said probably racism is probably never going to go nowhere <laughs> so do you think that this cycle of brutality and really black lynchings but it's a whole other conversation would ever stop and how do we have these conversations with kids of our own? Honestly, and it's sad to come to the conclusion, but as far as racism, I completely agree. It's something now that is too instilled, not only in America's history, but now in loopholes in society, that it, it's just, it seems like it's destined to never go away. And yeah, some people can argue, well, it's not like back in the day where you got control of everything you do, but it's it's the same thing, but a different way if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, the racism is still the same. It's just in different ways to where it's harder to figure out. But if you think about it and you compare the two, it's just like it was back in the day. It's just now there's loopholes to everything. There's ways they can still get at you but still be like, oh, but you still work here. Oh, you can still do this, that, and that. What do you mean I'm being racist? Anyways, <laughs> as far as my kids go, I know that it's unfortunate to have conversations like that. But I remember... Even so, I have a four year old nephew, Izar, if your auntie loves you. <laughs> so, I have a four year old nephew, and even at four, it's kind of like my sister is trying to implement those ideals in his head so young. And I know as, as young as he is, you think, well, he wouldn't really understand that. But it's the fact that we have to start that early because once he get older, now it goes into the, remember what I told you about if we get pulled over? Remember what I told you if you're out and you're the only black kid in the group and police pull up and they say, hey, what are y'all doing out late at night? Remember what I told you about always protecting yourself and making sure you know who you're by? Like, it sucks that those conversations are now becoming mandatory and these conversations shouldn't be mandatory. Like, yes, of course, especially going to college, you're going to tell your kid, hey, you know, make sure you know your friend group. Make sure you're always protecting yourself. Make sure you have, you know, your pepper spray, things like that. Make sure you're not out late at night. But the fact that we have to add the other implication of remember that if you are the only black person in that group, who are they putting the blame on? You. That is a very sad realization, but it is the truth. And it happens way more than you know. So, 
everybody out there, if you are not black, please do not ignore that factor because it should not be the deal breaker as to who did what. It shouldn't be the, mm, you're the black one, so you obviously did the destruction. Like, that shouldn't, it shouldn't just be a thing at all. But, yeah, as far as the kids, um, I, me personally, I think I'm going to implement it as early as I can. You know, I think the teenage years is really when you need to, like, sit down and especially your black men sit down and just really um, talk to them the best way you can because, honestly, as an adult, I feel like it's still going to be hard on us because we will have all of these examples to tell them of. Now, of course, I don't know how many more examples there will be. Hopefully the number goes down. But the list we have right now is bountiful. So with these examples here alone, we c- every black person could write a book about what to tell their kids if they get stopped by the police. And on my end, I completely agree. And it just, it becomes, it's like a generational passing of the torch. Like, my dad told me this, I'm going to tell my kids, they go tell their kids, nephews. It's the same thing over and over again. And even though, like, we're not going to be the first ones to tell our kids about police. Our parents' parents, our grandparents weren't the first ones to tell them about all these things. People around the world, black people around the world talk about this, and it still happens regardless. The very messed up truth, the uncomfortable truth, shout out the documentary, we can talk about that later, but the very uncomfortable truth is that we could do everything right and still die. So (laughs) what can we really say that can guarantee our protection? And the answer is nothing. And it gets even worse in this specific instance where it's black-on-black crime, because now we look even worse. So we can't even survive with our own people. And somebody said something very interesting. I forget where where it was at. I think it was on, it was definitely on social media. They just asked, would they have done this if that was a white kid or if that wasn't a kid who was a minority? And the, the tweet, I think it was a tweet, it just stopped there. Like, do you think those cops would have assaulted him that if he wasn't black? There's a very high chance that we all know the answer to that. But going back to the kids and how we, how would I raise my own, especially because, like, I want a daughter first. So I eventually want a son. But with having a daughter first and having that protection over her, just allowing her to understand, like you said, who she's going to be around and who she's in the car with or if she's driving because I couldn't imagine. Like, I can't imagine the feeling of turning on the news or getting a phone call and saying, not only is your kid dead, he was killed by police when he was out. You couldn't do nothing about it. No matter how old or young he is, it's just I couldn't imagine that as a parent, especially when you feel hopeless. So just telling the same things that I've been told, make sure you don't talk back, make sure you do whatever they say, make sure you do whatever command that they have of you, make sure you do anything you can to make sure you come home, no matter even if they're 100% wrong. Because there have been many stories where I've been a part of in the car and my dad has told me that the police were absolutely wrong and you still do whatever they're talking about. You handle it on the papers you handle it in court because you genuinely do not know if you're going to make it out alive so there's only so much that we can tell our kids and our cousins and even be told and we just gotta pray and hope that it like you mentioned that this can go down and the number of black people killed by police can decrease as the years go on and with keeping it on just the kids in general does this create any sense of like I don't even want to have kids or I don't want to bring nobody in this world to where there's already so much in life to be threatened by but when it's by the people who are supposed to protect us then it just makes it even worse or does it just make you more cautious if that makes sense 
Um, yeah, no, that question totally makes sense. Um, even with all of the sadness that the news brings, because I feel like every time I turn on the news, it's nothing happy anymore. So I kind of focus on reading the news versus watching it. It makes it a little bit easier. Ironic as a journalist, right? Yeah. <laughs> but as far as that, you know, honestly, it doesn't make me not want to have kids. I still do want kids. I want at least two. And if when I do have kids, I will make sure that they get the same lessons that my mom gave me. And I'll make sure that I'm open to answering any questions that they have the best way that I can. Because I know some of the questions they'll ask, the main one we ask is why. And honestly, I'm, I want to be very truthful with my kids, especially when they get to like around my age, teenagers and in college. And I just want to, I want, I don't want to shield my kids from anything. Because I feel like if you shield kids and then they see it spontaneously and they're just out, they don't know what to do. And I don't want a situation to happen where they don't know what to do and then it costs them their life. So I want to make sure I'm as blunt, because if you know me, I'm very blunt, as blunt and not ruthless, but still as loving as possible with the conversation. Because it's, it's going to be a hard conversation. It's a hard thing to hear to have your parents say, I don't want you to die, or I don't want to get a phone call saying you've been shot by the police. But I know now, even with me only being 19, it's something that's being rooted in our history. It's something that's being rooted that we have to tell our kids. It's something that they can't just walk out in this world and think they're untouchable because we're very touchable, as we can see. Even when we do nothing wrong, we're just touchable. And like I say, it's usually I try to be more, have have more concise thoughts, but it's just, it's so frustrating to have to even load on this podcast and have this discussion because before we even uh, had this idea, like, I didn't know this happened. Like, Shakira, she was the one who originally thanked her for, telling the group about it and having this, making this episode possible. She informed me about it, and then it just instantly, I don't know, it just makes me very frustrated that this is the world we live in, and just being ourselves, we could just lose our life just from the color of our skin. That's so, like, it's so crazy that people from the 40s, 50s, 60s, my parents, 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 that <laughs> dealt with these things. And now I'm going to have to explain to my kids when I have kids that this is something that's been going on since the beginning of time. So, in conclusion, because we're running low on time, um, the best thing, the best advice I could give, especially for people around my age, is just be safe. Like, on a college campus, a lot of things can happen, and people who indulge in, like, party culture and get in those type of environments, you never know how a situation could just turn in the blink of an eye. And make sure you understand the impact of your actions because it's easy to just think, oh, I'll get pulled over and I'll just get a ticket. Even if even if you think you're doing everything right, and again, because there have been many people who got pulled over for absolutely no reason at all. So, and especially around the East Lansing area, around campus, people don't drive the safest. So make sure you watch your surroundings and make sure you understand the impact of your actions because, I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I definitely add on, um, one of my family members told me this during one of these conversations, and they it kind of stuck with me, and I'll probably tell it to my kids and then my grandkids, that being black is a blessing and a curse. It has its many ups, and it has just as many downs, if not more. But I definitely agree with what Anthony said. Being black at a PWI, you have to be smart. You have no choice but to be smart. You have to make conscious decisions, and 
unfortunately, you can't live freely with life, should I say. You can't live the typical college, I'm going to go out every night and hang around anybody, and I'm going to meet all these people. Because at the end of the day, if that party gets shot or if the police police raid that party, how many of them do you know is going to have your back? And how many of them do you know that's going to turn on you and say he did it or she did it or that group of them did it? You know, and a flip of a switch, if they get in trouble, do you know they're still going to tell the truth? Because it's real easy to lie. And obviously, as we can see, when they lie, they, they, they get believed. But when we lie, we get killed. So you definitely have to be smart and you definitely have to just surround yourself with like-minded people. And I know we are a very small majority on this campus, but if you seek one of us, maybe if they're a random stranger at a party and you're just like, hey, I know we one of the five here. I just want to link up with you to make sure we good and we make it out of this because it gets like that sometimes. It gets unfortunate to have to watch your back every five seconds. Like it gets unfortunate to just make sure that if something went down, you have somebody to text quickly so you can make it out alive. Like it, it, Lots of words. Um, with that being said, I appreciate anyone who listens to this, especially if you aren't black, because, again, the uncomfortable truth, you don't have to care about these things. They're very low likely that these type of things would happen to somebody who isn't a minority. And even with just not police brutality, you don't have to click on the articles about black people. You don't have to listen to the all-black podcast. But to anyone who does and to anyone who spreads the message, I'll always appreciate it. And one more thing, just on a very lighthearted, you know, end things off on a positive note. I know when I introduced myself, I said more on the copy editor things, but surprise, I'm writing more stories. It's February, so I said, why not get out there and get back into my reporting bag and bring some stories for you guys. So please be on the lookout for two stories that are coming out. One that we will be talking about on February 14th, our Valentine's Day episode. So please, please, please. Look out for that. I would very much appreciate it if you took the time to read it. I think they'll be very informative and, yeah, just fun. Yeah, and I think that's it. Anything else, Anthony? No, I don't have anything else. Those I'm anticipating those stories that are going to be really good. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, with that being said, this is, has been All Shades of Chocolate, where we've brought the sweetest, the hottest black, black culture, culture to MSU. MSU. And remember, guys, to stay sweet. Bye.